Welcome to the Advice and Insights Podcast with David L. Bonson. Hello and welcome to this week's Advice and Insights Podcast. This is David Bonson. I am the Chief Investment Officer and the Managing Partner for that matter, the founder of the Bonson Group, a wealth management firm based in Newport Beach, California, also with offices in New York City. We are a uh, full-service financial planning, investment, wealth services boutique, and we do this Advice and Insights podcast every week to give our listeners a little deeper dive into a subject that is near and dear to our hearts, Last week, we covered the first half of 2018, did kind of a mid-year check-in on the things that had moved the needle in markets year-to-date. And this week, I am inspired to talk about the kind of core of what it is that we do at the Bonson Group that has been driving our investment philosophy for many, many years. It is very different than your run-of-the-mill, off-the-shelf traditional passive uh, uh, asset management strategy that one may find at a a generic uh, broker or a generic uh, independent advisor. Um, I I don't mean to to bash the competition. It, It is more a point about differentiation in that uh, ours is very particular around the world of dividend growth investing and has been for many years. And I talk about it all the time. I write about it all the time. We even named our weekly written commentary that we've done for 10 years, the Dividend Cafe, and that name, of course, is a tie-in to the dividend growth equity orientation we so much believe in. And and the reason I'm bringing up uh, this topic this week is because it just so happens to be really, really fresh in my mind uh, as I have been spending basically the last 72 hours in a writing binge um, in isolation at my desert house, away from clients, away from employees, away from even my family, uh, as I have a book on the subject that will come out in April of 2019. My uh, publisher deadline is October, so I have plenty of time to complete this, but I like to write in total peace and quiet, and there's nowhere I find as much peace and quiet as my house in the desert. And so having uh, just sort of been in that frame of mind, I kind of woke up this morning inspired to do this week's Advice and Insights podcast on this subject. Um, And and one of the, the chapters that I wrote this weekend for the book is the introduction that sort of sets the tone. Uh, the context, the background for where my passion uh, for dividend growth investing came from and where my belief system uh, came from. And that's kind of what I'm going to go through a little bit here today. It's not a topic I can cover on a 15, 20, 30, even 45-minute podcast. And I'm frankly not even sure how my 170 to 200-page book is going to cover all of it. But it it is going to be an overview And it is going to walk through a lot of the different uh, aspects of our thinking around it. But I just thought that I would kind of riff on the subject here in the podcast today uh, until, um, I don't know, my my computer dies or I get bored or I think uh, it's been long enough and, and you're ready to tune me out. So all that to say, 
Dividend growth investing is, of course, a focus on equities that are paying dividends and paying dividends that are themselves being grown by the company management, uh, ideally year over year over year. Now, there are a lot of ways that this can be manifested. Uh, Some have a focus on very high-yielding stocks. Uh, Some have a focus on very low-yielding stocks, meaning that the amount of the absolute yield at purchase is irrelevant. Um, It is just simply that growth year over year that matters. They're often called the aristocrats. Um, In our own investment philosophy, we actually do favor... Uh, stocks that start with an above average yield. That does not mean high yield. It does not mean everything's got to be 7, 8, 9, 10% yielders, top decile, top two deciles. But it does mean that we prefer, uh, with very rare exceptions, and I can always explain where those exceptions would come from, it does mean that we prefer the yields um, start at purchase at something ahead of what the S&P 500 yield is. And so with that said, we, we, we have a starting point that we want of a, a yield above what the S&P is. And, and we could put, you could put an absolute yield around that. I mean, first of all, every investor is going to have a certain income need, but the market is giving what the market's giving. And, and we've seen over the years that dividend yields out of equities have a certain ratio or relationship with the bond yields, okay? You, you had a 4.5% yield out of the S&P 500 in the 1970s, but the bond market was paying 7.5% for a 10-year bond. And so there, there's a sense in which what is required on a competitive basis to be attractive to investors is relative to the to the uh, circumstances of the market, and 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 actually even that ratio itself can then change at times based on on risk, based on inflation expectations, based on on market conditions. And so we've seen a couple periods where the yield on the S and P 500 went higher than the bond market, the 10-year Treasury, let's say. That happened a long, long time ago. It didn't happen for a long time, but then it happened after 2008. Bond yields came way down, and the S&P yield came up a little bit, like around 2, 2.1, 2.2%, because stock prices were so low. And so you actually had, a, a for a long period of time, you could get a better yield from stocks than bonds, but that really had a lot more to do with how low bond yields were than how high stock yields were, okay? Otherwise, I mean, you think about it, you're getting the income of bonds and then you're getting all the upside of the stocks, you know, for free. I mean, you take the risk of the volatility, but you see my point. You're, you're, you, there's a sense in which the spread of bonds being over stocks is normal because stock investors also have upside where bond investors are just getting back par value. Well, I'm on a tangent, but the point I'm making is that whatever S&P yields are doing, we want something higher than that. So there was a time, like to give, put it in absolute yield context, I, re, I really kind of looked at most stocks above 4%. And I loved stocks that were yielding over 5%. And, and, and then as yields kept dropping, stock prices kept going higher, the bond market uh, was rallying. I basically got to a point where um, 3% all of a sudden could look kind of good. And, and, 
And so the the absolute level becomes somewhat relative to what the market is giving you. But the relationship of what we want to start out to S&P is pretty constant. We want stocks with a higher yield than S&P. And I've just spent three minutes going through the least important part of it because the next step is what is most important. It is the growth of the, the dividend, the, the ability of companies to then from whatever it is we started at, then grow the dividend. But this talk of yield versus dividend is so, so, so important to understand the vocabulary distinction. Yield is a function of math. It is the dividend divided by the current stock price, which gives you a percentage. And so if you have a stock at $100 and it's paying $3, you have a 3% yield. But if that stock drops to 50 and it's still paying 3 you have a 6% yield. Well, nothing good happened to you. Actually, something really bad happened to you. Your yield went from 3 to 6%, but you're down 50% in your money. But if you have a $100 stock that's paying $3, and then it's still a $100 stock, so the, the stock is paying $4, and I have a 4% yield. Well, that's a good thing. Now, the fact of the matter is, I don't believe a $100 stock paying $3 dividend that then goes up to $4 dividend, I don't think it'll stay a $100 stock. I think very likely the stock price will have gone higher, uh, which means that the yield, the percentage of that new div dollar amount will be less than four because probably I'm making up the number, but let's say the stock, uh, it was at now $120. So then now you're dividing four into 120 instead of four into 100. You, you see the distinction. So, when we refer to growth of dividend, we're talking about the cash. That's all anyone cares about. The cash is going higher year over year. And, and the yields are all functions of math. And you don't know if a yield growing is a good thing or a bad thing unless you know the other variables. Did the cash go higher? Is the stock price going higher? You could have the yield going somewhat lower every year and have it be wonderful because it means the stock price is going higher even as the dividend itself is going higher. And the only way the yield would go lower is if the stock price is going higher at a faster rate than the dividend cash is going higher. So if you're listening to this in your car and you're going, what is he talking about? I'm not following it. Just, you know, when you're not listening to your car, get a, a, a pen and napkin just write it down what i'm saying three divided by 100 four divided by 100 is pretty basic and you can see what i'm getting at is okay yes you don't know enough on the yield because a stock that is uh paying a ten dollar dividend it's a hundred dollar stock is a ten percent yield and if they then cut the dividend it goes to you all of a sudden you got zero and that's the issue when you get a yield that is so high it means the stock price dropped so much, we call it an accidental high dividend payer. They didn't grow the cash up. They didn't grow the cash dividend payment up. The stock price just dropped down and it created this accidental high yield. And, and then if you're a buyer at that point, and in fact, the dividend is really, really, really not going to be cut, you may have a very attractive buying opportunity. And we look for some of those. We look for some of those high-yield value opportunities. But the fact of the matter is, very often, 
when a stock price drops so dramatically that the dividend becomes that dramatically high, it likely means it's a future dividend cutter. And we have to look at what the market is pricing in, what the market is discounting, what the factors are around it. So the the concept that we use, I've spent a lot of time writing about uh, over the weekend in the, in the book that I'm going to be publishing on this subject, is the notion of uh, what my friends at Miller Howard Investments call yield on original investment, Y-O-I. And it's basically the idea that you pay something for investment and then, and then you want it to grow and one day return future cash flow to you. The most important thing that we can do as investment managers is produce a huge yield on original investment. In the future, what the current yield is, it could be very low. Because the stock price could go up a lot. So if somebody buys a stock at 100 that's paying a $4 dividend, and, and, then, and then that stock one day is at $500, and it's paying a $20 dividend, the yield is still kind of around 4%. They've made a lot of money on the stock, but their yield on original investment is gigantic. And that's what we believe over long periods of time should be happening as companies that year over year, they're not growing their dividend 30% a year, 50% a year necessarily, but even by growing the dividend at 6% a year, 9% a year, 12% a year, uh, you know, some years 8%, some years 15%. But my point is through time, growing earnings, growing free cash flow, and then paying out a growing percentage of that to shareholders, you end up one day with a very high cash payment as a percentage of cash invested. And we think it represents one of the most mysteriously beautiful ways to invest ever invented. It's what we focus on in our equity investments and, and what the subject of this book will be that then we'll pour into the subject of what the dividend actually tells us about management, what it tells us about the company, what it tells us about what management thinks about the company, why the accounting is far more believable for dividend paying companies, generally speaking, why the mechanics of that cash flow, that you have a positive return, therefore a less volatile stock because you're getting a higher percentage of your return from something that can't go below zero. You know, the dividend can get cut, but it can't come all the way below zero. You got to pay to own the stock. So that percentage of return you're getting is itself less volatile because it's always in positive territory, where, of course, the stock price portion of return is all over the map, up 10, down 10, so forth and so on, creates more volatility. Still a great return in the end for a well-balanced equity portfolio, hopefully, but with more volatility. Whereas what we're trying to do is focus on the upside of dividends and focus on the types of quality companies that are aligned with shareholders that are paying that growing free cash flow. And and so it, to our mind, gives not only a more uh, sustainable investment experience, it gives a high yield on original invested capital. It gives either present or future periodic cash flow and income that is uh, far superior to what we think is available in other mechanisms. Lower volatility, perhaps a tax advantage, depending on one's tax situation, as the top rated dividends is either 15 or at the worst 20% versus ordinary income that goes as high as 37% on the federal marginal level.
And we also then believe that you, for an accumulator, create compounding, that you are reinvesting in more shares with the dividends when you don't need the cash, and you're buying more shares of those very things that themselves will one day kick off more cash. So you get compounding annual returns and mini compounding within your compounding building up and and the experience can be very rewarding through time. So I, I just kind of in the course of this 20 minutes or so gave a, 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 a nutshell summary. Uh, it's not exactly something we're going to stop talking about anytime soon. Uh, reach out if you like any more kind of elaboration. And also don't forget uh, that there will be a book on the subject from yours truly uh, that will elaborate more, but that's a ways out. I'm in the early stages of writing it. So that's this week's advice and insights. Dividend growth investing for investors who want a really exciting equity experience without the uh, the all the same degree of, of speculative risks and excesses and things of that nature and uh, a more streamlined and coherent cash flow plan for income withdrawal-oriented investors. I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for listening to Advice and Insights. Subscribe, forward, share, review. Um, and, and if you hated what you heard, then delete and never come back. Just kidding. Thanks for listening to Advice and Insights. Thank you for listening to our Advice and Insights podcast with David L. Bonson. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced here and will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.